Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Shame to Sparkle. I am here today with somebody who has helped shape my personal healing journey so immensely and someone I really respect in the health community, Dr. Nick DeLiberato, BSDC. Don't know what that means, but I'm into it. He has his private practice in Lake Forest, California. He consults with a wide variety of patients seeking non-pharmaceutical applications. His mission is to redefine the art of chiropractic services, health, and healing. Nick educates patients on musculoskeletal issues, core functional medicine systems, biology, and personalized lifestyle approaches. He holds the designation of ADOPT trained practitioner from the Cresser Institute and certifications from the Karazian, I think I butchered it, Institute. And he is just someone who is so well-versed in health. I send everyone I know to him and I am like his biggest fan. I should start a PR firm to publicize you. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Lacey. I'm, I'm so excited to join you. Uh, I think we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about and I appreciate you welcoming on the show. Nick is like my health guru soulmate. Everything he says, I wildly respect and I like send to all my friends. And so if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this space prior to me grilling you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have kind of jumped around a little bit. My, my background was, was pursuing something in more of the, the medical field. I was looking at cardiac surgery and orthopedics and those things and quickly found out that my philosophy was at odds with the, with the current system. I think it does a lot right, but the way it tries to treat chronic disease uh, it doesn't do a very good job. And so I jumped around, I did investment banking for a while, medical sales, always knowing that my, my passion lied in the healthcare space. And at, some, at one point I decided that I would go into chiropractic because it provided me a, a platform where I could see patients without any strings attached. I could diagnose, I could work with my hands, I could spend uh, the adequate time with patients and I wouldn't need to just, you know, be a revolving door where you got to see 50, 60 patients. And it's also chiropractic, historically speaking, has always been about holistic health, right? Eating well, managing the mind, uh, making sure that lifestyle modification comes before we start going down pills and prescriptions and surgeries. And so it was a really good fit for me. And uh, I, I really enjoy the, the physiology and so that kind of, I've been practicing here in Lake Forest for five years now, and it's a blend of uh, musculoskeletal issues, people with back pain, neck pain, um, you know, surgeries before, uh, headaches, and then, you, and then I see the whole slew of, whenever, when, when anybody, some, when most people come in, they might have back pain, but as we dive a little bit deeper, I find out, well, I have Hashimoto's, I have metabolic syndrome, my mother died of a stroke at 44. So there's all of these opportunities to really do what healthcare providers are supposed to and try and educate and try to get ahead of all of these illnesses because we're, we're in a system you know, that treats that, I call it the disease sustaining enterprise. It, it's not really interested in, in helping you be better today. It waits until you have a disease and then it suppresses symptoms and just, and it's disease management, right? So uh, for me, I think if you can find ways to help people with their structural integrity, their spine, their joints, and then also make sure that they understand what sort of blood work to do, 
um, what sort of really get to the underlying issue of, of uh, the root cause of, of symptoms, uh, then, then we're, we're a lot better off than, than we were before. Completely. I always tell people when I refer them to you that you are in the business of the cause, not the cure. And I don't think a lot of people are wired that way in our society because the cure keeps you getting, you know, paid and people on your payroll because, well, this medicine might cure you, this might cure you. And there's really no issue of why is it happening? And I think that not a lot of people are in the business of why is it happening? Let's prevent it from happening. So you don't need a cure. Right. Right. And, um, our society is sick, you know, point blank. So by the time I got to you, I was already over the hump of sick and in like victim mentality. And I totally remember going to see you and you were like, why are you taking all these drugs? And I was like, screw him. He doesn't understand. But then I got to know you and I was like, you know, he really is in the art of finding the cause. Why am I taking like 20 medications? I'm like not even 30. Right, right. No, it, it doesn't, you know, you know, if somebody is, is vested in your health and if they really want to help you understand what the, what the next steps are. I mean, the body is, we, we are, let me step back, we, we are of the 60 most, like 60 industrialized countries, we spend the most per capita on healthcare and we're the sickest. 80% or so of that, of that expenditure goes towards chronic illness. So if we can focus more on prevention and, and get people early on to become their own advocates. Uh, I'm in the process of working on a, on a, on a course, a six week course called the inner doctor, because it just teaches you about the fundamentals of health and tries to arm you with enough information so that you can stop guessing your own intuition. So that you can stop just conceding to what some medical expert tells you, like you should be, when did we decide that we should just obey and not ask questions? And that's the sort of environment that this model, not always, but I hear a lot of stories like that. So I don't want to, you know, um, I have family that, that, are, that do surgery and, you know, they save lives. It's, that's the way it is. But when it comes to chronic disease and when it comes to autoimmune issues and, and all of these complex um, problems that we're dealing with, because right now we have a mismatch there's an evolutionary mismatch with, with how our body responds in the environment, especially when it comes to stress. And, and we can talk about that, but the, the body, the design is so beautiful, it's so complex. So when you wanna really understand health, you wanna start by taking adequate time. You wanna make sure you do a really extensive workup because the more work you do on the front end that way, it's a lot easier to create a strategic treatment plan that covers all your bases and that makes sure that um, you're actually dissolving the issue and not just suppressing suppressing symptoms. Yeah, I feel like suppressing symptoms does us no service, yet it's the highest industry monetizing in our country. Yeah. So we live in a conundrum. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And it, and we've the, the, we're, we're going through a paradigm shift and the only people that it's really incumbent on us as, as healthcare consumers to start to do some real introspection. Do I, is my $1,600 a month premium, is it really getting me the health that, that I deserve? Do I know more about how to take care of this body than today than I did yesterday? Or am I just going through, you know, going through the motions? And I think a lot of times that's what happens. You, you do some blood work, you don't know what they tested. They take some imaging, they tell you, they don't like, go, go Google that word if you don't know what a word is. 
you don't, yeah. you're not having these conversations. And, and, and um, I think we're lacking, the healthcare industry is lacking intimacy. I have patients who have been, have injuries and they're, they're never, no, the doctor doesn't touch their elbow, their arm, their back. There's no, there's no physical examination. You know what I mean? It's, it's a five minute interview and then prescription pad and then subsequent appointments and you get, and you get bounced around the system. So I don't want to be la- like belabor on that, but that, that's why this sort of treatment and this sort of approach is, is really where, where we're headed to. There's so many integrative doctors and functional medicine practitioners and people that want to see us move away from a pill for every ill mentality and actually get back to this intimate relationship that what everyone should have with, with their health and well-being. Yeah. And I think that I just spoke to my friend Jay on, you know, her endometriosis and surgery. She's a total warrior, open heart surgery, and she was misdiagnosed. So she ultimately almost, she could have died. I won't say almost because it didn't get that grim. She listened to her gut and went to another doctor. She ended up getting like 10 opinions. And number 10 was like, holy crap, you are you yeah. surgery right now. And we discussed the importance of being your own advocate and how being your own advocate takes this like radical amount of accountability. And it's not that people are lazy. I think they get exhausted. So when you're unwell, you're exhausted and you want someone to tell you what to do. And there's a level of almost, I don't want to use the word brainwashing, but brainwashing where we're told like it's normal to be unwell. And to question that narrative makes you a conspiracy theorist or you're fighting the system or, you know, you don't trust science. And I don't think that that's the case. I think to be your own advocate, you have to kind of man up and question these things that we've been taught because it's not normal that like one in three women has an autoimmune disease and one in two gets cancer and one in two will die of heart disease and one of two, but we're, when we question it, we're kind of gaslit. I know when I question it to you know, my doctors at Hogue, I had a team there and they were like, oh, you, you're always on WebMD. You think you're a doctor. We went to school for this. And I think if we normalize those discussions and taking a natural approach, it won't be as taboo. Right, right. It's a great starting point. Everything you said, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with. We have, to, we have to start to utilize these core functional medicine systems, biology, because that's, that's how we make change. And we have to embrace new science. We have to upend these old, outdated paradigms and embrace. Because whenever, whenever things, whenever we learn things in science, right, it takes 20 years from it to get from the research bench all the way to to standard of care practices, right? I don't know if you if you recall Dr. Barry Marshall, but he he was a guy who back in the 80s was saying, hey, look, H. pylori in your gut, because everybody knows the microbiome now. H. pylori, if you have it for long term and you're over the age of 30, it can lead to gastritis, ulcerative colitis, peptic ulcers, and people laughed at him. <laughs> people laughed at him and they said, yeah, right. A little bacteria in your stomach is going to do that. And so he fought hard and all his contemporaries, you know, he, he was, he was shunned. And so it took him culturing H. pylori from a patient of his and in broth and called and, and basically proliferating it and drinking it. He tested it on himself and proved he got his H. pylori so high, his H. pylori level, and ended up 14 years later, he won the Nobel prize for proving what he already shown in an animal model. But, but, the, but the conventional system just didn't want to hear, they just didn't want to, didn't want to face the fact that there, was, that there was a different thought process out there. And it's like cognitive dissonance. It's like the ego won't let people change their mind because to change their mind means they had it wrong and they, they don't have it wrong. It's just, there's other ways to make it right. Because obviously we are doing something incorrect if this many people are sick and our society is unwell. We know that to be true. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It's just a fact. 
So what would be right now I'm reading through, I have so many questions. I've never gotten so many questions for someone without posting a little box, just like through, um, <laughs> you know, the fan base, how are ways that people can stay ahead of their health? And a lot of the messages I get from women are women with Hashimoto's with autoimmune disease. They're always exhausted. They're always lethargic. They feel depressed. They feel anxious. They feel alone in that. Like what are ways that you would recommend just, you know, kind of surface level, yeah. what are the labs you would tell a woman if she's feeling exhausted? I know when I went into my first integrative, not integrative, um, oh my gosh, one of my doctors at Hogue and I wanted a full panel because I was like, I think I have a thyroid problem. And he, they didn't even check the right number. So I had to get three rounds of blood work. And then at that point you're exhausted because you've driven there three times and you paid the $40 each time. And the, it's like, it's, it's exhausting. And then you don't really care anymore. You're like, shit, I'll just feel like crap. Like, right. so I know it is, it, it'll, it'll wear you out, put you through the ringer. So I think the first piece of advice would be to understand that regardless of, of whether you're healthy or sick, it's work. Right. And, and being, being sick is a lot of damn work, all the driving to the hospitals, all the second guessing, the mental stress, all of these things and being healthy can, can take work too. Right. Because there's a learning curve. But it's, a, it's an additive process. And the more you start to dig into, well, this is how I need to eat for my body. This is the sort of sleep I need. Oh, these are traumas and these are, this is conditioning that triggers me. And it's actually putting me in a state of fight or flight all the time. So you just want to start early and give yourself some grace and go slowly, but find people that are going to spend the necessary time with you and are going to ask you the, ask you the right questions. Because I go back again to insurance doesn't always isn't always going to pay for it. So if you want to spend a little money up front, yes, you're going to have to work harder too and, and, and put in some cognitive energy. But most people, like when I get people's paperwork, sometimes people will send me 20 pages. I know that person who filled out 20 pages of their history is, is like fighting uh, tooth and nail to get better. And then other people come in and they write me a sentence. And I know like who is really invested and accountable. So we have to- I'll tell you in person. Yeah, yeah. and that's fine. We can speak about it verbally too, right? Because on paper, I'm kind of messy. That's, that's okay. I don't, I don't like putting down paper. I'd rather be verbal. But so to, to that, I would say if you're experiencing those sorts of fatigue or potential symptoms and you haven't you know, found a, an MD or a DO or a doctor that is getting you answers, then start to branch out, start to look for people that do functional medicine. It can be a naturopath, it can be a chiropractor, start to talk to your friends who every, like you said, I mean, everybody knows somebody who has an issue. It's, it's people like the healthy people are starting to become the minority. I mean, that's just I the reality. Someone who doesn't have an issue. That's why I'm always, I don't know, maybe, I guess you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's one of those things. I feel like I have empathy, but I don't really have a lot of the a lot of the problems. But because I'm so close to the science, I feel like I can I can I can speak to that. But what you really want to do is is you want to start to understand. Okay, the body's design is pretty it's pretty complex. So let's take hormones for, for example, because sometimes when you start to try and unwind some sort of disease or or or, or breakdown in the body, you might have to focus two months on one area. And once you've kind of, you know, figured that out and, and resolved those issues, then you move to another area. It's not like, okay, like I always use the analogy of, of Kill Bill. They have the, the 10 point exploding heart trick, where if you like hit the people 10 spots, then their heart explodes and, you know, you win the fight. Medicine doesn't work. Biology takes time to, takes time to heal. So sometimes if you, like I have women who have PCOS, it might take three to eight months to correct for PCOS, right? 
and you can't, if you're having infertility issues, you can't just jump into maximize me for pregnancy. No, no, no. You have metabolic disorder and PCOS. You have high androgens. That's a sign of PCOS. You have in, inflammatory processes going on. And most likely you have dysglycemia. So you're, these hormones that are so important to our body, insulin, it affects, it's not just getting sugar into your blood cells. While that's important, it's cortisol. It has a, it has a multiple, it affects gene transcription. So when your body's in a stressed state, it's not like, oh, I had a little cortisol spike, it's gone. No, this, this affects you for days and days and days. When you have a fight with your spouse, they've looked at cytokine levels in your blood and it can be elevated for three days post, you know, post incident. So your body, like Bruce Lipton is a good guy. He talks about the biology of belief. My favorite. It's such a, it's such a, like our, our thoughts actually do manifest themselves in physiological experiences and changes. So if you like, some people will come in and they're really confused. Let's take, let's take hormones. For example, you can test hormones using your blood, which you need to test at a certain time. You can test it using saliva. You can test it using urine and every clinician might have a different approach to it, but there's trade-offs to them, right? So like serum, you can look at, um, you can measure pituitary hormones. You can look at protein-bound hormones, whereas like urine, you can't. Urine's only looking at metabolites. Saliva is pretty good, and the data supports it. And for example, sometimes because hormones change are so dynamic, you can do a salivary panel, or you do that over the course of 30 days. You take 11 samples, like day, like day three, day six, day nine, and so you can chart how your estradiol is flowing, how your testosterone is, how your progesterone is, and it's not just a one-off blood draw that could be, may not be indicative of what's, what's really going on. So you really, whether you're testing hormones or you're testing, whether that's like your thyroid or whether you're testing sex hormones or whether you're looking at insulin or if you're looking at cortisol, you really want to get a good understanding and take a really thorough history. So if you go to somebody and they don't spend an hour or two hours with you and they don't send you an intake form that asks you all these questions and review that before, that's a red flag. Because most likely they have some sort of, like there's nothing wrong with herbal protocols, but that's not a treatment plan. That's not running a clinical process and really kind of vetting and fleshing out what's wrong with Lacey. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, so I'm going to give you acupuncture. I'm going to put you on this protocol. I'm going to give you uh, these, these Chinese herbs. And, and then you start to get, you know, supplement fatigue. And, and, and oh, personally attacked because you know that I've done that. <laughs> I know, but you know what? Sometimes we have to. We have I'm to totally kidding. Out. I've done it all. When I say I've done it all, I've literally done it all. And you are one of the people that has given me the correct resources to not do it all. And I think that narrowing it down for people who are unwell is the easiest route to feeling well. And I don't necessarily now, in where I'm at in this space, think going to a doctor and telling them you don't feel good is the answer. I think that you're absolutely correct. You need to find someone who will spend two hours with you and see, are you in trauma? Are you in PTSD? Should we evaluate your hormones? Should we evaluate this? And I've seen a doctor too, where I go in and they give me, I always joke, but my blanket prescription is a thyroid pill, Levothi and a ibuprofen 800. And then I'm like, you guys. Yeah. I've been here, done that. Come on. I mean, and so I see how people get in this spiral of shame with their health because when you're being misdiagnosed and then you're going in and spending your money for a lot of people, you know, they don't have endless resources to go spend an arm and a leg on their health. How important do you think the role of hormones play, especially most of my listeners via the little poll we did are women, but for men too, I guess, 
how important do you think that that panel is for people? I know the panel is like what I think it runs like four hundred dollars. Oh yeah, you can do it depending on like the Dutch test. Is that the Everyone one? Everyone always asks me how much, and I like to tell that yeah. because I think if things seem out of reach, you're less likely to go and do it. I think if you think in your head, this is going to cost me 10 grand and I'm not going to be healthy and it's not going to be worth it. And it's a lot of work. I think, you know, if you can save up a couple hundred dollars and go do something like this, it's going to radically transform your life. Why would you not? Yeah. And, and that's the thing you can do blood hormones for, you know, $120. You can do the Dutch test for 250 to 400, depending on where you're getting it from. You can do, I, I mentioned that saliva test that gives you this really nice picture of how your hormones are shifting and changing in rhythm throughout the, that's a, that's a $250 yeah. test. And a lot of these tests, these kits are sent to your house and you just, you do the collection in the privacy of your home and then you send it straight to the lab. And then once the lab has the results, your provider is notified and then you come together for your case review. That's how, that's how we do it here when we, when we want to run some sort, we do, a, we do an initial consultation where we kind of understand what are your objectives, what are your complaints, what have you done so far? And then from there, we start to come up with all of the different forms of testing because you might need to do like a glucose challenge and insulin test. We might need to use uh, you might want to buy like a glucometer because glucose uh, dysregulation is a big driver. It has, it, it's, it's, it's really immersed in that, in that web of physiology. So if you have problems there and we are a society that, you know, loves our carbs and loves our alcohol and loves our refined processed foods and our breads and all that stuff. It, so many people have underlying prediabetes, diabetes, and, you know, speaking of endometriosis, that is like, I think that's 15% of, uh, that's 15% of the cause of why of infertility is, is endometriosis. The other 25% is ovulatory disorders. You have like a 7% prolactinemia. And then what's the other last one? The last one is um, <laughs> pelvic adhesions and, and uh, tubal blockages. So, yeah. and, and when people have endometriosis, what they found is that, you know, our body has a lymphatic system and fluid and and those things. And you can actually have inflammation, inflammation, what's called your peritoneal fluid. It's the fluid that bathes that area. So just by really like, sometimes you need to do a ketogenic diet for a short term, just to get that insulin re resistance down. And then once you get that, the sugar and insulin responding properly, then you look at the hormone just, um, imbalance and, and maybe you need to use certain forms, certain supplements to help with estrogen clearing. Like hormones need, they're, 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 they're signaling agents, right? But once they do their job, the body has to metabolize them. The liver does a lot of that. It has to conjugate them. So it packages it up, like tags them and says, okay, you're going to the kidneys. You're going to the stool. You're going to the, you're going to go out in the sweat. And if it doesn't do that, then you can end up having like these high estrogen levels because estrogen is, is getting back in. It's called hepatic biotransformation. So the liver has to take these, these substances and transform them so your body can get rid of them. Because if it doesn't, they, they become poisonous in, in, inside our body or they create imbalances. And remember, the body is it's always going, it's looking for balance. It wants, it wants to adapt. And, and, and right well, now- I would say that's a majority of the people, at least I speak to, a lot of the women I speak to with endo especially, we're all hormonally imbalanced. And I think the work you're talking about feels, I, I think it's been designed to feel really out of reach for people. Okay. Like- well, Lacey, you can go pay for it, or you know someone, I don't know the right person, or, you know, so I want to normalize that it's really not out of reach. Like you can mail a Dutch test to someone 
and they can mail it in for themselves and it's the $300. And I want to normalize that these testing, these things aren't on Mars and not attainable. Sure, sure. And it, and again, it, it takes a little bit of that open mindset and realizing that, okay, I got to, I got to remove myself from this, this new normal, you know, things that become just because things are common does not mean that they should become normal. Normal. It's not normal. You guys, if you're listening and you're sick, it's not normal. If you're 26 and you have 10 autoimmune diseases or five autoimmune diseases or PCOS and your doctor gives you a pill and are you going to take the pill the rest of your life? Are you going to get to the root of the cause? Absolutely. And And I think that waiting for someone else to intervene is again, it goes back to that concept of the inner doctor. Like we should all at the very least have a, our own health documentaries, right? It doesn't have to be that. Everybody's different. Maybe maybe you've had surgeries. Maybe you've had car accidents, uh, injuries. Um, you know, maybe you have chronic migraines. Everybody's thumbprint, everybody's documentary is going to look a little bit different. But your health span is really just by making some small changes and investing in understanding how your body functions. It it can almost it can take it can move you from you know a two out of 10, like two being really ill to an eight out of 10. And that's just a lot better place to be because we all have jobs and we all have kids and we all have uh, responsibilities. And, and so uh, we, we need to be, we need, we need to feel well <laughs> if we want to bring our best self ever and show up for, for other people. Completely. And I think when we feel well, we get our power back and there comes a breaking point. And I've seen it in a lot of people. So I'm not generalizing as a whole. This is just my perception. I've seen a lot of people, especially this year, reach their breaking point with being unwell and it becomes their sense of self. They identify with unwell. No, I'm chronically ill. I can't get COVID. I'm chronically ill. Mm -hmm. I can't go outside. I can't go to the natural doctor. I'm immune compromised, COVID, I will die. And I want people to see the importance of getting on top of that, not to discredit their fear or their reality because we each have our own reality and fears and they're totally validated in them, but to show there's a way to get out of unwell. It's just might not be the way that the news or that, you know, that we've been kind of, again, I don't know another word that we've been desensitized into seeing. I don't want to keep saying brainwashed because it sounds so mean. But I mean, if you asked me five years ago, Lacey, you're sick. I would say, go to the doctor, take an antibiotic, do this. Now when I'm sick, I'm like, oh my gosh, I eat a thing of sauerkraut and a fermented food. And then I drink this crazy propolis and I go see, I get adjusted. But I would have never known that. And I took antibiotics before I'd seen you something like 30 times in two years. It was actually insane how many antibiotics I'd taken. Yeah, I mean, it takes it takes a leap of faith. It's scary. People people fear failure, right? We we are we seek out, we seek love. We we have inadequacy. We have fears of inadequacy. And when you put your when you take accountability, if you don't if you don't get better, if, uh, right away, you know, you 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 that's a scary thing. And so people don't. And oh, well, I don't want to dedicate the time and the money. And, and you keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And the reality is, the sooner you tap into the present and start taking onus of your health, things change, you know, it, it opens up that intimate, an intimate relationship with health, you start finding opportunities that you wouldn't have. Otherwise, you start, you enable yourself to get outside of that, you know, your red brain, and you're in a green brain state where you just you enjoy life. It's mindfulness has become such a buzzword. But it's, it's so important. It's more more so now than ever. Because let me read you a list of when we don't adapt to stress, let me read you a list because I don't I, I want to miss any. If you don't adapt to stress, you, you run into autoimmunity promotion. 
food intolerances, intestinal permeability, uh, gastric and duodenal ulcers. You can't get rid of, we talked about hepatic biotransformation, you can't detoxify. Your bone density goes down. You get hypoglycemia, blood sugar up and down, insulin resistance, fatigue, chronic fatigue, insomnia, decrease in thyroid um, hormone uh, and conversion disorder, depression, neurochemical imbalances. The, all of those things emanate from not- well, Every time you listen, I feel personally attacked because <laughs> I'm like, hi, these are all me. <laughs> Well, these, these are, those are, those are non-adaptive stress responses. Those sorts of physiological um, factors and mechanisms are affected. And, and there's lots of ways that we can, we can uh, tap into self-care in a, in, a, in, in a real active way, whether it be, you know, going and walking barefoot outside or being in the sun or, or getting adjusted or doing, I mean, there's a, there's a, a thousand things. It depends on everybody's a little bit different but we really need to start to pull ourselves out of this autopilot that we're all in. And this is very egocentric idea of what health should be and, and, and start getting back to more grassroots and lifestyle change and, and embracing those, those sorts of things while still having proper testing. If you're, if you have issues, right? Not everybody has 10 issues, but um, it seems like more people do nowadays. So somebody, my husband actually asked me to ask you this. Cause I was like, I'm talking to Dr. Nika. And his question was, what are the important links between gut and brain health? But then someone else asked me to ask you, what is the most important link between stress and brain health? So I'm going to switch both their questions. And maybe this is like not at all important or putting you on the spot. Do you think that the difference between like, what's more important gut and brain health or stress and brain health, or like which one is more easily reversed? What's more important for us all to focus on right now, especially? Well, they're, they're inextricably linked, right? So the, the new, the new science shows that when we have intestinal permeability, and that means that the barriers that keep things outside of like, you know, from the inside of your gut to getting into the bloodstream has been compromised. When you have a leaky gut, they're now showing that you also have blood-brain barrier leakage as well. So you've compromised the integrity of the lining of your gut, and you've also compromised this integrity of, of the blood-brain barrier. And what can happen is they're now showing, so we have, can't, we have cardiovascular disease as the leading cause of death, sorry, COVID, and cancer as second. Yeah, sorry, the, COVID, there's <laughs> a lot in front of you. The ever the, the the new third that's taking over like medical error that used to be the third leading cause of death is Alzheimer's, and that there's a couple different reasons why we have this metabolic syndrome from diabetes and this inflammatory response and toxins that we're taking in and the loss of our microbiome in our nas in our nose and our mouth even that, that they're finding so. I, I think for every 10 signals to and from like from the vagus nerve to your brain nine come from the gut. And the, the large majority of your neurotransmitters are actually produced in your gut. So I would say that, that the gut is, is so important. And if you're stressed and it's causing, you know, neurologic issues, because you're just, you know, you're really, really stressed. You're, most people don't have adrenal fatigue. It's called HPA access dysfunction. So like if I test you, and the Dutch test is, is really good at that because it shows you how much cortisol you're producing, but also how much you're metabolizing. So if your cortisol levels are really low, but you have high cortisone and high metabolites, then your, your, your adrenal glands, they're, they're fine. They're pumping out plenty of cortisol. But the problem lies in a, in a, deeper, in a deeper brain structure, in the HP, in the, in the hypothalamus, and the pituitary. So if you're stressed, 
neither the gut or the brain is spared. So what you really need to do is we need to get back to eating in a way that like glyphosate is horrible for your gut. So when we're eating these foods that, you know, we wheat, corn, and soy, they're, they're GMO, they're grown, they're sprayed. And then when they harvest them, they're desiccated and sprayed again. So those chemicals interrupt path, microbial pathways in your, in your gut that then lead to more leaky gut, more inflammation. And now you start to have cross-reactivity with your immune system and molecular, molecular mimicry. So I, I would say that everybody's a little bit different. Everybody has a spectrum, right? Whereas like if somebody comes into my office and, and starts screaming at me, I might react from, I might just be like, who is this guy? Or I might get really fight or flight and start getting a little, you know, aggressive. And so everybody's a little bit different. So not stress can't really be standardized across individuals, but if you are in constant stress, you're in trouble because you're creating you're going to have blood sugar issues. You're creating constriction of your blood vessels. So it's going to lead to cardiovascular issues. So it's, it's hard to say which one is, which one is worse, but by making sure you're getting adequate sleep, making sure you're eating a, um, getting good animal products and good plant-based products and avoiding all the processed garbage and eating uh, high amounts of essential fatty acids, omega-3, vitamin D and omega-3s have been shown to upregulate the immune system. They literally they, they take macrophages and they help them attack pathogens. So there's been studies out showing people that have uh, vitamin D levels lower than 30 are, are like 90 some percent more, more susceptible to COVID than if you're above 30. Yeah, which is so weird because I'm, well, I get in Instagram jail whenever I post the importance of vitamin D and inflammation. But another one I want, I wish we could do a whole episode on glyphosate. People don't know what glyphosate is, I would say. And some of my friends are brilliant and they don't know what it is. Well, now they're changing it. They're, because it's being banned in all these countries, now they're, they're, they're basically repackaging it to something called like liberty. So we're just, we're trading one evil for another evil and never really getting to the root cause, which is revisiting our agricultural policies so that we can get back to biodynamic farming. So we can get back to get away from monocropping and, and stripping the soil and of, of, its, of its nutrients and of its microbial density and get back to you know, pasture-raised cattle and, and swapping out polycultures and things like that. So it's, that's a huge, huge issue that we, like our generation, we need to get on it. Triggers. I have like 500 triggers that do trigger my fight or flight response and glyphosate is one of them because I legit ate it every day. Yeah. I had this oatmeal I loved and I thought I was such a healthy queen and I realized it was like the highest parts per whatever of glyphosate and I was so upset and I was like, well, no wonder I feel like crap. I'm going to blame the oatmeal. Yeah, bread, <laughs> chick chickpeas. Like I love hummus and not, hummus is, is a big offender of Write down that one. Yeah, but another- if you guys are are interested, I would really research just what's going on with our food. And you just brought up supplements. And I know I'm running out of time because I try and keep it under 30. But one of the questions I got was, what vitamins or forms of nourishments would you most recommend during this time, the COVID time? Again, it comes back to I would get, I would do a, a workup to see where you're deficient because otherwise you're just throwing supplements at something and it may or may not be right. But if you just don't have the time or the money or the, the bandwidth to, to address that now, vitamin D, zinc, uh, making sure that you have a B complex that you're using, um, those three, and then cod liver oil as well are, I would say those, those are some pretty good 
inexpensive and accessible. I mean, there's lots of other ones like glutathione is great. Um, if you have blood sugar issues, taking berberine to help with insulin, those start to get a little pricier because the way they're packaged, they're put in these liposomes, so you actually absorb them. So there's people out there that say like, don't screw supplements, like you don't need them. You absolutely do in certain situations. By all means, if, if two things, if you're not gonna eat healthy, man, you're gonna be a tough patient. If you can't make some changes, if you are not adapting, if you, if you, if everything stresses you out, that's also like, I don't care who, who you're seeing, it's going to be really hard to get you better. So there, you have to come up with, with strategies and supplements. And sometimes there's, there's ways you can use GABA or NeuroCalm or these supplements just to get people out of that, uh, out of that um, domino, you know, that, 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 yeah, the, the red brain that, that seems to kind of take over and makes you feel disassociated from your body and feels kind of panicky. Uh, I see a lot of patients complaining of that. That's, you know, working from home and they feel like they've lost communication with friends and family. And it's, it's really taken its toll more so than, than um, I mean, this, this alarmist reactivity to this, to this virus has, has uh, done, done a lot, has a lot of collateral damage. I see the damage and I see the, the kind of lack of faith in people and their bodies right now. And it really does upset me. I would say that's something that does trigger me too. I guess a lot of things trigger me though, because I'm type A and annoying, but seeing people in such fight or flight, but also seeing people un with the inability to adapt or take kind of curtsy into the space of taking charge of their health. It does affect me. It affects me negatively because it's, it hurts to know people are in pain and there's resources for said pain. And I don't necessarily know if everyone's ever willing, going to be willing to jump onto those resources. No, absolutely. And it's, it's not nothing. Science will always continue to evolve, right? And we need to be open to that idea that things, that perspective needs to continue to change. It's when we hold on to old information and old ways and we become fixed in our, in our mindset that that's when we really run into problems and, and, and we need to look at the, the cumulative work uh, and really like go back to understanding what's your health documentary and where, where do you want to be in five, 10 years? Cause it goes fast. I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm fast approaching my forties and time is just going so quickly and you start to put more, more uh, emphasis on longevity. And if you ever have any sort of, of health issue, you realize how much you take for granted and what really is important. And so I, I just, I, I think that if we can get back to this, this mindset of we're, di we're, we're distinct and separate from, from all of this conditioning and thought process, and it's really up to us to, to advocate for our health, that alone, you know, 1% change month by month or even year by year, you're going to be a lot better off than if you just kind of kick the can down the road and, and don't think of, and just kind of keep doing what you're doing, you know, just keep spinning your wheels. Because a lot of people are spinning their wheels, but when I they really don't know where to go or that there's alternative options. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing. And I don't think that everyone is, you know, just unaccountable eating Doritos. I think that a lot of people, at least that I speak to, don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They take lab work and they are told they're fine and, you know, another year passes and it shouldn't be that way. So, and I'm, I'm certainly not blaming a patient or shaming anyone in pain. I think that a lot of people don't have the resources and that's why I really wanted us to voice them today that there are these tests and there are fairly affordable, you know, 
they are something you can build up to to get certain answers. Like I always joke, I have a folder of my labs and I bring my folder around with me and not as like a badge of, you know, victimization where I'm like, nope, this is this and I'll yell at doctors now in a, in a kind way. But I'm like, no, I'm not taking this pill because they love to push the pills on me. Yeah, the quickest, not an easy sell. <laughs> it's a quick fix, definitely. Uh, that's the template that we're in right now, but it, it is starting to change. And, and there's, there's just so much momentum behind chronic disease that we, it can't be, it cannot, we can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. You know, and, and there's, there's tons and tons of money behind this, behind driving the, keeping the current system intact. But again, it's, we are the masses and we have to use our, our dollars wisely and, and start to decide these things we're doing today are having an epigenetic effect. They're changing the life. They're changing the DNA, not only of our own DNA, but of, of our kids' DNA. And, and we're just, we're on a, we're on a, we're on a slippery slope. It's, it's, it's a dangerous path to, you know, have half the population. Um, I think it's 40% is on two or more medications. And, and that's, that's a, that's an average. I have patients that are on 15 medications and they don't, and every medication has a, has a side effect and that's poly. Yeah, that's how I was when I met you, but equally, you know, and I do think some medications serve their purpose. If you are stage four cancer and you're going in for chemo, of course, I would never in a million years tell you to do otherwise. I would tell you to watch heal and go check out stories of radical remission, but I would not shame you for your own journey. There is certain people that are on the 15 medications and each one has a side effect and then you're on a medication. It's like you said, it's a slippery slope. I could talk about it all day. I won't bore you guys. That's, that's the medicine carousel. But again, we're talking about health, not, not medicine. And we all, <laughs> we all intrinsically, we're all, we're, our factory settings for the most part, I want to say like 4% of disease is actually genetic. So yeah, we have people that have issues, right? That are born with neurofibromatosis and, and things that like, Sorry, that was the deck. That was the, the deck you were you were dealt. But for the large majority of us, we are making choices day in and day out that are dictating our health, our success, our our health span, all all of those things. Okay, well, I'm gonna wrap it up because I went past thirty again. I'm sorry, you guys, but I could talk all day to you. I love to come in and just talk for thirty minutes and miss my whole appointment talking to you. No, I, I get it. Well, let me leave you with this, Lacey. Because so much of this is perspective and mindset, right? So if we can all try to cultivate our, our um, witnessing faculties, right? This ability to really understand why we think and, and do what we do and start to understand that, then we remove, like, if, if we don't do that enough, we, we create these own, these, our own mental prisons. And there's no space for empathy, for love. It, we, we, get, we get lost in, in, those, in those fight or flight, those, the red brain. So I guess I, I, I would just want to say in any health journey, whenever you're trying to adopt, just start. It's, it's that meditation mindset, but it starts to, by cultivating the uh, witnessing faculties that we all have because there's, we're inundated with information right now. We need to just shut some of that out and start taking space for ourselves. I could not have said it better. And I appreciate that notion. And I hope people adapt to it because fear brain is not good. And I have seen a lot of people as of late in fear brain. And it's in the air. It is in the air. I'm not blaming any situation, COVID, but I understand why they are. And I respect, I respect that too. Um, as always, thank you for being here with me. Lacey, I enjoyed it.
we are doing healthy COVID measures. We are meeting via Zoom. I have all of Nick's information in the show notes. I certainly hope you all check him out. As always, anyone sharing anything here does not take away from the space for you to share your truth. I hope you do, and I hope everyone stays well. Thank you for listening. Thank you.